Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast, presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. I'll be joined shortly by my co-host, Will Purdue. We talked Vanderbilt basketball today. Our apologies. The podcast was not nearly as long as we'd hoped. First, Will ran into some issues on his end that pushed his start time back, and then I had a radio appearance on the back end. So we had to sandwich in about what would have been about two hours of material into about an hour And unfortunately, we couldn't take listener questions because of that. Anyway, Will appears on the guest line that's presented by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell. That number is 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Anyway, now on to the conversation with Will and me. We are doing a special edition of the Vandy Sports Podcast today. This is the State of Vanderbilt Basketball my sometimes co-host, Will Purdue is with me. We tried to get Jerry Stackhouse. We were told this did not fit with his schedule. So anyway, it is just Will and me here to talk it over. Will, thanks for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Well, I am, Chris. And, and uh, you know, it's a whopping. It's actually a nice day here in Chicago because it's above freezing. I think it's actually 33 <laughs> degrees. So... Over the last couple of days, that's been something that uh, has been non-existent. You wake up in the morning, the sun pops out, but you you know that it's just so deceiving. And you slap on the layers and you go outside. Well, you know, you, you've heard of Groundhog Day, but I'll tell you how you know it's time for Vanderbilt baseball season. It is 67 degrees here right now. It'll be 68 tomorrow. It'll be 67 on Wednesday and 69 on Thursday. And Friday, just in time for opening day, uh, the temperature will plunge to a high of 44 and a low of 25. That always happens when Vanderbilt baseball has a series in town. So, um, you know, hopefully not too much more of this, but it's, um, yeah, it's going to be painful Friday to go from that almost 70-degree weather to to grab the heavy coat again. Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I will say I'm still, I get it. Air quotes, Vanderbilt's in the South. <laughs> but Tennessee is more like, and I know people don't want to accept this, but it's still, you're kind of more Midwest than you are in the South because of what you just exactly said. So I'm still surprised that they're, you know, scheduling games in late February, early March. But, you know, you just you kind of roll the dice and you, you see what happens and you move forward. Well, as Tim Corbin will say on Friday, it's 80 and sunny. Well, it doesn't matter, right? Both teams have to deal with the same elements. Exactly. Let the best team win. Well, let's talk basketball. Uh, We've got about an hour to do this, maybe a little less. Um, We're going to talk about the state of the program, where it is, where it's heading, and a lot of other topics that relate to that. So let's just go straight to it. We're three years in, almost to the Jerry Stackhouse tenure really two and three quarters ish at this point. Uh, how do you assess what he's done so far? You know, 
I want to be very careful, Chris, how I put this, because I don't want people to take it the wrong way. So I just, you know, I need to hesitate for a moment. I'll be the first to say when the hire was made by Malcolm Turner, I was in favor of that hire because of the fact that I knew Jerry, the player. I watched a lot of his games, um, played against them. But I also, you know, kind of followed his career a little bit in the coaching ranks and saw, you know, what he had done, not only in the NBA, but most notably in the G League. So I felt like his ability to work with players, um, the fact that he's actually played in the NBA, helped guys in the G League get to the NBA would be a a significant help as far as, you know, getting recruits, transfers, and, you know, really upping uh, the level of talent, or let me say improving the level of talent that the basketball team had at the time and would have in the future. Now, unfortunately, I just don't feel like in my mind it's lived up to the billing to this point. And I'll tell you why I say that in a minute. It's lived up to the billing that I had hoped when he came on board. I mean, I, I, I was right there for the, the press conference, you know, and I was there, you know, for a reason because I wouldn't have shown up in support of Jerry Stackhouse if I didn't believe he was a good hire. But I felt like he was a good hire. Malcolm Turner asked me to show up for the press conference. I did. And, you know, like everybody else, I've just been watching and waiting. And the reason why I mentioned to this point, because I I was hoping that by this time, the third year, you know, we would be really competitive. We would be fighting for a, a berth in the NCAA tournament. And I just don't. I don't feel like we're to that point yet. Now, that being said, you know, I, I have to, to talk about, you know, the, the injury to, to Liam Robbins and, you know, the potential of what he was going to bring to this team, you know, just hasn't developed because of injury. And that's unfortunate. But I also said to this point, because, you know, the upcoming, regardless of you want to agree, disagree, what the rating is of this upcoming class. I think that, you know, quite honestly, Jerry might've been a little too confident in the fact of, you know, what he could do with lesser talent by coaching them up. Not saying that he's not doing a good job from a development standpoint, but, you know, it's like horse racing, right? I spent a lot of time in Kentucky, live in Louisville. A lot of, Coaches talk about a horse, how much potential they have. But then after they work with that horse for a while, they realize it just doesn't have as much potential as I thought. So it's only going to do so well. So how much money do I want to invest in this horse, knowing that I'm going to have to race it in lower class races in order to you know get it to cross the line and make a little money. But it's not a derby horse. 
It's not something that's, uh, you know, going to develop into, you know, my star. But that doesn't mean you don't have a bunch of stable horses in the stable that allow you to do that. And you're still considered pretty successful as a trainer because of what you've been able to do with lesser talent. But at the end of the day, what is the main goal? They all want to be in the Derby, the Belmont, the Triple Crown, the Preakness, you know, because that's how trainers are measured. And unfortunately, Jerry just, at to, again, to this point, hasn't been able to get these Triple Crown horses onto campus so that he can work with them, mold them, and significantly raise the level of talent and get this team out of the basement or seller, however you want to look at it, of the SEC. So that, that in itself has been unfortunate. But to also give Jerry credit, I think this team this year has been playing very hard. You know, unfortunately, the, the most consistent thing you can say about this team is they've been inconsistent. And that inconsistency has hurt them. Perfect example is even though they didn't beat Tennessee either time, I thought they played very well and gave Tennessee a run for their money. Played hard against Kentucky, gave them a run for their money. But then it's it, you, you, leave, you walk away scratching your head when you watch the South Carolina games. And you, you don't understand how you could be so different from one half to the next against Georgia. So in, in sense, just haven't been consistent from game to game, half to half. And the record is reflective of that at 13 and 11 and five and seven in the SEC. I think what you just said sums it up very well as I've talked to, to basketball people. I do think there was a, a confidence and overconfidence when he came in that, that he did not think he needed maybe the horses everybody else had. I, I think that's a lesson he has learned since. But this season's going to go how it goes. Uh, right now, I think NIT is the most realistic thing they can do, and, and they're probably going to have to win a game or two they may not be favored in to get there. But however that ends, um, I don't think ultimately what he does, his long-term success, probably not going to be determined by the next few weeks. How are you feeling about the future of things, say, next year and beyond? I think we don't know what the roster is going to be yet. Um, I think they'll be heavily relying on some freshmen who – Depending on who you ask, the reviews there are mixed. Uh, the, the recruiting gurus have really liked those guys. Um, I, I've heard, again, some some other things, other places. I don't know how it's going to go, but I, I think next year it is going to be interesting for them. I'm just curious what your read is on where this is going for them long term. And that, I think that's a, that's a good question. Um. I think that as Vanderbilt fans, I don't know this for a fact, but you know, knowing that Scottie Pippen put his name in the draft last year, did an evaluation, um, obviously didn't like what he learned, pulled his name out, came back to Vanderbilt. I don't think that's going to happen again. I fully believe, I don't know this for a fact, but just, knowing players and what their ultimate goal is 
that he will not be back next year. I think that Vanderbilt needs to take that approach. I think the fans need to think that way, and they need to figure out, okay, how are we going to replace his scoring? Because, yes, they have some talent coming in, but I still think you're going to have to, you know, uh, dip your toe in the portal, see what you can find. But most importantly, what you can find, does it fit in with the chemistry of this team and the talent level that will be left, plus the players that, that they've recruited that are coming in? And does this individual from the transfer portal make the team better? And that's, that's the difficult thing because, yeah, maybe this player has a certain resume, but just by bringing him in, and I, I don't know of any player in particular, per se, that doesn't necessarily make your team as a whole better. It may make your individual parts better, but it doesn't necessarily make your team better. Um, you know, like I said, Chris, I have seen improvement. To me, the team is actually playing better. Unfortunately, because of the inconsistencies, you know, they haven't won games that they should have won. You know, hey, wonderful game against LSU. Awesome. But you're thinking, okay, is this the catapult that jumps them forward? You know, and they go to the situation where now they start winning games. They put together a nice little win streak. But unfortunately, that just hasn't developed the inconsistency throughout a game has still jumped up and kind of bit them. So there's obviously things that need to be done. I fully believe that I think that, you know, Jerry now has, and I, I don't mean this to be degrading in any means whatsoever, but I do know this for a fact. When Jerry took the job and not having coached at the college level at all and not belittling his basketball IQ, but I just I talked to some friends of mine that are in the SEC, and those coaches were chomping at the bit to get at him and that Vanderbilt team. And not necessarily to send a message, but they fully believe that as he learned the college game, playing Vanderbilt's going to get tougher and tougher. As he accepts, you know, some of the as you talked about the realities of what it's going to take to succeed at Vanderbilt, regardless of what his past resume is. You know, he'll make the proper adjustments. And eventually, with Jerry Stackhouse and some talented players, Vanderbilt will get back to who they were. And, you know, that memorial magic will, will be back in full swing again. I, I still think he has the ability to do that. But I always thought that, you know, this third year would be the big year. You know, myself and Barry Goheen and Barry Booker and, and Steve Reese and guys that, you know, we stay in touch with Glenn Clem, you know, we always talk about the upcoming season. We talk about a past game. We talk about an upcoming game. You know, we're still watching from afar. Every game's on TV on the SEC network or ESPN plus. So we have that opportunity, but unfortunately, you know, it's just, as we talked about it, and I keep going back to this, we've seen the inconsistencies that kind of have held them back. So I think that, you know, a Scotty Tiffin will be gone. B, Jerry Stackhouse will still be here. And what does he do to replace Scotty Pippen? And what does he do to eliminate those inconsistencies to where this team becomes more reliable on themselves? And then they become more accountable for their mistakes. And then they become more predictable as far as wins and losses. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. 
When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. You hit on about three different directions I want to go. One of them is just the league's competitive landscape. Another one is the facilities, which we haven't really hit on, but I wanted to next. And then the other thing, you talked about the former players that you talked to and the communication and the staying interested in the program. Frankly, from what I have heard, and I'm not in the stands, but I know people who are, the number of former players who come to games – is not a big number compared to what it's been to in the past. Uh, the outreach, I think you had mentioned the Rebounders Club. You didn't know if that was still around or not. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of connectivity. And I don't think that's all Jerry Stackhouse's fault, by the way. I don't think Bryce Drew did a wonderful job in terms of connecting with the lums. And so it probably started back then. Um, and then attendance, you know, the, the price increases, I think, have dramatically affected their attendance. It's just, been at a point where I don't remember just interest and connectivity in Vanderbilt basketball. Again, this is not to lay all this at the feet of Jerry Stackhouse. Do I think he could have done a better job with some things? Sure. But I walk in that gym at times, and it doesn't feel like anything I've ever experienced having grown up in that gym and having covered that program. It just feels like I'm walking into a foreign land these days. Well, Chris, I mean, you're right. I mean, and and I can tell you from my personal experience, from talking to the guys that I played with, you know, there just there doesn't seem to be that connection between the university and former players, and that's that's unfortunate. Um, I know that, you know, quite honestly, Jerry is very frustrated with that, and I think it's twofold. One, the team and the members of the coaching staff, you know, as busy as they are, they still have to find a way to be a little more proactive when it comes to former players. But the athletic department as a whole needs to help Jerry and the staff as well. And I think that, you know, they kind of lack in that department. And it's not just in basketball, quite honestly. It's across the board outside of baseball. You know, and that's the interesting thing because you have the best blueprint right there on campus. And it's, and it's not like Tim Corbin is sitting in his office with 12 locks on his door 
when you come in and go, hey, man, can I borrow your blueprint? It's not like he's going, absolutely not. Do not touch my blueprint. You cannot use it. Go away. You know, he, he's more than willing to share and help. And this is what I do. And this is how I do it. And this is what I suggest. And this is what I recommend. You know, in my understanding, the guy that's at his door constantly poking his head in, constantly asking questions, constantly asking for help is Clark Lee. And, you know, I applaud him for that. I know that there is Jerry's talk to him. How much? I don't know. You know, how much does Candace talk to him? I don't know. But I think that it's, it's you, and I think you hit it on the head, not to lay it all at Jerry's feet, but I just don't think that Jerry realized when he took the job how much work needed to be done to, you know, repair that bond between uh, the current program and former players. But listen, let's also be honest here. This isn't just a problem at Vanderbilt. You know, I live in Louisville part-time, and I know Chris Mack was not happy with the relationship between former players and the organization because there was a divide between the Denny Crum era and the Rick Pitino era, and he was trying to pull that together. You know, it's just, I think you have this problem across the board at a lot of universities. But the question is, if Vanderbilt is united, one Vanderbilt, they're going to have to step up to the plate and do more than just talk about it and have fundraisers and things of that nature. You're really going to have to get down in the trenches and get dirty and, you know, reach out to players one by one and sell them on what it is you're trying to accomplish. You, you know, you just, you can't put out videos and, and statements and media releases and expect everybody to jump on board. It's, it's going to take more than that. And it's going to take some time. But again, you know, you have the best possible example right there on campus because the relationship that Coach Corbin has with his former players and to not even, I mean, not just former players and not just guys that are in Major League Baseball, but also guys that are former athletes, students that he takes the time to talk with, to spend time with, to take calls, to reach out. You know, the one thing that it, I mean, there's so many things about Coach Corbin that impressed me, but, you know, and, and people that know this will just roll their eyes. There's a lot of people that maybe that don't, but I learned this just from talking to him as well and asking questions. He makes it a point to be out in front of the university, not just the athletic department, the university. And he makes himself available. Him and his wife eat out, eat out, meaning they have dinner every single night at a restaurant somewhere in Nashville. So people see him, they can interact with him. They can ask him questions. Now it's all about being polite. It's all about timing. But he gets it. He understands. And I wish every single coach did that. But, they, but unfortunately, they don't. Every coach has their own thing that they like to do. But I think that's the one thing, though, that just, you know, here's the thing. Let's, let, again, I keep saying let's be honest, but let's look at the bigger picture. Nashville, 
Oxford, Mississippi, Athens, Georgia, Lexington, Kentucky, Knoxville, Tennessee. Do they have professional football? No. Do they have professional hockey? No. Do they have professional soccer? No. Vanderbilt has so many more uh, teams, leagues that they have to compete against. But that doesn't mean you can't be successful. That doesn't mean you can't compete against those teams. The NFL, that's a different animal. But my point was is that Stackhouse has to do so much more work than Cal Perry or Rick Barnes just to get people in the door because there's not another show in town. And that sucks for them because you're like, well, he doesn't have to do it. I'm sorry, but you do. Jim Corbin knows that. He does it. Now, he also puts a great product on the field, but it wasn't always like that. His hard work and laying the groundwork, driving around in his gator and everybody knowing exactly who that guy is, driving the gator down the middle of the street. That's Tim Corbin, the baseball coach from Vanderbilt, because he's out there. He's available. You know, I just think that that's one of the things you need to keep going back to the originator, the creator. And if, I mean, if you got to talk to him once a week, if you got to constantly be in his office, I guarantee you, you'll be accepting to that. And, you know, and the other thing is, it's just, you know, he wins games. Yeah, that makes things easier. Just win, baby. Right. But it's, it's, you got to get to that point first. They have started this sign, the the Star V or whatever thing that you see on social media. I don't know a lot about that. You see a, a different player signing that every now and then. I think Ronnie McMahon was on the other day. What do you know about that? Um, not a lot. I mean, they've reached out and asked me, you know, if I'd like to, you know, come in and sign that, speak to the team. Unfortunately, I just, I don't, at this present time, I just don't have the time. I try to get down there every year to catch a basketball game, a football game. Um, you know, but I've also, as everybody knows, been very, you know, frustrated with, you know, the university, with the athletic department, but it's not like I've just isolated myself and, and, you know, just put my hand up and said, I'm done. I'm out. Now I've said that enough and I've said that in the past more than once. But my heart gets involved and, and, you know, I kind of work my way back in, but not necessarily the point where I'm at every game and I'm present and you see my face. And, but I'm doing stuff like this. I'm staying connected because I want the university to succeed. I want the athletic department to succeed. You know, again, I took the time to sit down with Deermeyer face to face. And I wanted to talk to him about the relationship between the university and the athletic department. I feel like that, you know, he hasn't done anything to, to prove himself wrong or the things that he told me about how the university and the athletic department were going to now work hand in hand and the athletic department has a seat at the table. Things, you know, are getting better, but it's still, it's just it's very frustrating how, you know, slow it's going. So, you know, if we could expedite this process somehow, and not just from a facility standpoint, but from a support standpoint, from the university. And I think that's part of the problem, Chris, is that, you know, a lot of the former athletes, football players, basketball players, you know, other athletes, they're, they've heard this before and they're kind of taking it with a grain of salt. And until they really see action, 
they'll just kind of stand on the sidelines and again, watch all, watch everything on TV, get their information secondhand, but not invest their time or their money in actually getting to Nashville to watch a game. And, and I understand that. And it's unfortunate. I think the, the, the size of the, of uh, the fan base at football games is evident of that. The size of the fans at basketball games is evident of that. So there's obviously a lot of work that still needs to be done, even though there's been a lot of positive talk, a lot of positive presentations, uh, discussions, you know, what we can expect to see in the future for facilities. But unfortunately now, even the, that, that, line of, you know, the future has been blurred a little bit because of delays already in, you know, the facilities. So there's just a, a lot of frustration that former athletes are dealing with in, in numerous sports to where they'd really like to be involved, but, you know, they just don't want to feel like they got, you know, like Charlie Brown and, and uh, Lucy with the football. They just don't want to feel like they're yeah. getting duped again. Well, and I want to ask you about that, and I want to talk about the facilities themselves and what you've seen of the plans, because I think they're really nice, from what I can tell. I think they're very nice. But the thing that I don't understand and nobody's ever given me a good explanation of, look, if Turner were still here, this would have been started two years ago. Um, now, people can say COVID and whatever. The, the problem with university is it's just not been very truthful for a long time and nobody really trusts their explanations and, and frankly shouldn't. Um, and I'm not trying to pile on here. It just is. But I mean, this, this should have started two years ago and it should have at least have started. I mean, the plan all along, I think was to start all this stuff after the season started and then the power plant comes up, you know, you're hearing the excuses about the sewers and things like that, which they've known for a long time. That's the thing that I I don't understand is why the timeline has taken so long because it just shouldn't have. I've, I've never heard of another place that needed a, a power plant built before you could could build a facility. That just seems a little much to me. Well, and that and the other thing is, let me ask you this question, Chris. I mean, you would know better than me. We can talk about COVID all you want, but weren't those dorm rooms? Right oh, there? those weren't dorms are going full speed. Yeah, and weren't they? Weren't there people there during COVID working on them? Yeah, and, and that's why I know that the the party line was okay. No new construction will be starting, but I mean, it, it's it's pick your reason as cover, and that's just kind of been their history. And maybe they were telling the truth. I don't know. But the the problem they have is so much trust has been damaged over the years that they don't tend to get the benefit of the doubt on anything, and I don't know that they really should. And I think you're seeing a group of players who are going to leave this university without ever seeing the fruits of, of what's going to be done, and, and I just don't think that's fair to the people on campus right now, I don't know why there wasn't more of a sense of urgency because that should have been a big deal. Well, and again, I let's go. We got to go backwards a little bit. So for a few years, I worked for the SEC Network and did basketball games. So I was at South Carolina. I was old at Old Miss. You know, I pretty much hit almost every school during the time frame that I was there. I was in Baton Rouge. 
And I remember, you know, there was the unknown about just how much money would the SEC network make for each individual school. Oh, yeah. There was can't, can't count on it. <laughs> and but what I specifically remember, and I, I won't give any names, but I will say there were more, there was more, as I went to each school, you know, the best part of that job is getting those times to talk to the coaches off the record, you know, about players, you know, um, other coaches, teams, you know, whatever, the SEC as a whole. And more than one athletic director made the same exact comment unprovoked. Now that the SEC network is a materialistic thing and you know it exists, if you look out your athletic window and you don't see cranes, you're already behind the eight ball. Knowing that that first year, the agreement was ESPN's foot in the bill, but that first year of the SEC network is there's a lot of re, you know air quotes repayment involved. But even though there was repayment, they made more money than they thought, and each school got a check. But I just remember going from school to school and how happy they were about the SEC network, and they were, you know, they'd have their, they'd be there with their hand out because now every game's on TV and. Blah, blah, blah. And they, they know what's at the end of the rainbow. There's that pot of gold for the SEC network, and that's for each individual school. And you just kept hearing the coaches talk about it. There were, and here was the thing. There were the coaches that were frustrated because they looked out their window and they didn't see any cranes and things weren't getting done. And they felt like they were already falling behind the competition when it came to recruiting and facilities and everything. And there were those that were happy as a lark because they were getting started on in a practice facility and other facilities and new dorms and how this is going to help the recruiting and put them ahead of this team and that team and this team and that team. And you kept waiting. Where are the, tra- where are the cranes in, on Vanderbilt campus? Where are the cranes? What are they building? When are they starting? Now we have a nice practice facility for basketball. You've got the indoor practice facility for football, which unfortunately they have to share, you know, with uh, the school. Um, so, you know, they've always been behind and that's unfortunate, but let's also give Candace and the athletic department credit. I have not seen personally the new locker room, but I've seen the video that they put out. And I want to say thank you to that gentleman who I George have Huber. no idea who he is. Yeah. Mr. Huber. And, and, and let me interrupt. We, we tried to reach out to get him on the podcast and, and never heard back. So that would have been an interesting yeah, so thing that if we can make it happen, if you're George Huber and you're listening, um, we'd love to have you sometime. <laughs> but thank you. And that, and that thing's, you know, first rate, top notch. Because you also got to be very careful. We can't do too much to Memorial Gymnasium, because then we'll, then we'll impact the history and the magic that is Memorial Gymnasium. But there are other things that we can do and continue to do. But, you know, you mentioned the word distrust, okay? And one of the biggest things that has been a huge setback in that distrust era 
was when, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, that the school stepped up, the school, the academic side stepped up and said they were taking some of that athletic money. Is that is that a correct statement? Well, look, the the way I've understood it, and and I would I would have to go back and, and do some more homework before I spoke on this definitively. What I understood for a while was that, and I don't think this is look, this is hardly newsworthy, right? I think that is an accounting procedure. The athletic department's budget was charged for all every single dollar of scholarships. I'm talking room and board, all that that goes with it. And and look, you and I both know that I think the cost right now is 80 something thousand dollars a year. And and like every time somebody steps on campus, it's not going to cost them 80 something thousand dollars um, in expenses for a student. But, but I understand you have to do accounting and I think it's done this way at other places. The problem for Vanderbilt is that the revenues once you make that massive charge against the AD's budget, uh, that that's a lot of money, right? Um, and if it's supposed to be a standalone department, that's a pretty big burden. Um, I know that sometimes that that would be covered in what I think was called university investment and a line item on the budget, which basically meant you can't cover um, all those scholarships, and so we'll we'll cover it this way as a line item. As I understand it, could be wrong. Um, and I hope this is making sense, by the way. But e- even so, e- even if the AD is paying for all those things, and, and again, Vanderbilt's hardly the only place that does it, the bigger issue in my mind as I saw it is that the school had just done so much to choke off athletics for years, um, you know, including the what's now been pretty well documented. And they denied this for a long time, but I think everybody knows this is the truth now. Well, they wouldn't let – the AD go to donors and they, they pulled the AD fundraising back into Lowe's where it was under the nose of the school people who did not want them competing for the dollars that they wanted to go to academics. And so athletics um, continually ran the hamster wheel for all that. So I, I guess what I'm saying in short is I don't think the practice of charging scholarships and some of that other stuff and not running a profit is unusual. To me, the bigger issue was just the starving of the school and the antagonistic nature of the relationship between athletics and the school, and I'll say that against the athletic department, I, I think that was a school problem um, where they wouldn't let them raise the money that they needed. To me, that that was the big issue was just athletics never really being able to get a place at the table to go out and raise the money that they needed. And now the issue they're having, of course, is you know the product stink other than baseball. The fan base has shrunk to nothing. Um, and it's a whole lot harder to to raise money in the environment where you're not winning and, and you've you've killed your fan base. And I think that's just kind of where they are. Well, and I agree with you 100 percent. Right. But let's, let's kind of let's get back on track. We went down that rabbit hole. We've done that before. But that's. That is the case. So that just makes. You know, and the one thing I will give, you know, Candace, the athletic director, credit for is just think how difficult it is for her to have to correct all the wrongdoings that came before. Oh, she's before she's her. got a hard job right now. Yeah, and you know, I just I don't know if there's enough time in the day for her to continue to apologize and make up for what happened in the past. 
And that's the, that's the hard part, Chris, is, is she's asking people, okay, don't forget, but please forgive. And let's start from scratch and let's, let's move forward. But the problem is that, you know, more than one person has said that to former athletes and alumni in the past. And guess what? Whoop, Lucy, Lucy pulled the football out again. Yeah. So that's, that's, again, we talk about frustration. We talk about lack of trust. And that's what's made things so difficult, you know, for Candace. But she's doing things bit by bit, piece by piece. But I think that we'll all agree that it's just, you know, not quick enough, not what we'd like to see, because we have so much catching up to do. But I think that they're moving in the right direction. Clark Lee, to my my understanding, to what I saw from the product, I know that it's not the record that they wanted, but I thought they got better. How they play, their mentality, their toughness. They just didn't have a lot of depth. And you can't, you can't play SEC teams without depth. So they're working on that. I can't tell you how enjoyable it is to be on social media and see how a recruit has got his, his, his selection down to Vanderbilt. Georgia, you know, he's, he mentions Vanderbilt and two or three other SEC teams, a Big Ten team, maybe an ACC team. And you're like, yes, we're now where we should be as far as recruiting or at least battling for these recruits. Maybe we're not getting them, but we're getting one here, one there. You know, we're not sitting here on social media and be like, well, Johnny Smith has narrowed it down to Vanderbilt, Middle Tennessee. Fordham and some other and Eastern Kentucky. And you're like, and please no disrespect to those other schools, but if you're out, that's putting a lot of pressure on a coach to develop a kid. If those are the only other schools that are recruiting him. And I know me, people are going to be like, uh, Hey, wait a minute. You better might want to look and see who Vanderbilt just lost to recently. I get it. But that's why recruiting is, you know, we to take this full circle, I think Jerry Stackhouse has truly understood now and believes and bought in how important recruiting is and you know how much easier your job is when you have talent. Clark Lee knows that. He came from Notre Dame. But he didn't sit there and be like, well, we're going to scratch the surface. They jumped all in. And look at the guys they're recruiting. Look at the, some of the players they're getting. They're dabbling just enough in the transfer portal. I think you're going to see a significant improvement in this team again, but maybe by only one or two games in the record because they're in the freaking SEC and who they have to play. But I think you're going to be much, you're going to be pleased with the effort. And you can literally see that, hey, man, they got better talent. But look how many freshmen there are out there running around. Give these guys some time to mature and, and come together. And, I think that's kind of what we have to do with basketball as far as with Jerry um, is, you know, I think you got to, because of the improvement that I've seen, you got to give him that fourth year. Yes, I'm frustrated. On one hand, I'd love to say, hey, man, he's had enough time. It's time for a new, a new voice, a new face. But I think, you know, one more year on the docket and that's where we, then we really sit here and make the, an educated decision and judgment on what has he really done since he's been here. But yet at the same time, keep pushing those guys 
towards Tim Corbin's office. Keep asking those guys to get in Tim Corbin's office, get in his ear, have a phone call, you know, get in his head. How did you do it? How can I help? What's your idea? What do you think would be best here? Not just, you know, because I think he, he would have some good answers and, you know, I know Clark's doing it. Hopefully, you know, Jerry is taking a page out of the book, but also all the coaches take a page out of that book because this is Nashville and you have the Titans and you have the Predators and I don't know, what's the name of the soccer team? I don't even know. <laughs> Get yeah. out there, make yourself present, put your face out there, put your, put your body out there, make yourself uh, available to the general public. You know, and if it's as little as, you know, you're headed into CVS and you're going to restaurants and having dinners and, and things of that nature, but that's just, those are the extra things you have to do at Vanderbilt more so than any other school in the SEC. Um, we'll, because time constraints, I'm uh, probably the mailbag we won't get to today, but there, there were two more things I wanted to hit on. Um, yes, sir. The thing that I've said consistently is when I've seen what I've seen of the facilities that, that are going to get done, they're really nice. I just wanted to get your thought on what you have seen so far. I mean, the, the basketball stuff is going to be advertised as, I think, what the, the, the biggest space of, of that, that kind in the country or something along those lines. I mean, it's going to be in the football end zone. It, to me, it looks like once everything's done, it's going to be going to be a really good space. So, yeah, I mean, not just basketball, but football as well. Yeah. Yeah. All um, of it. And we're all excited about it. We're all looking forward to it, but we're all just like, how long is it really going to take? And they, that's the thing that's again, frustration. They really don't have an answer. There's no definitive dates on when things are going to be done, much less get started. And that's, that's what's so difficult. You know, when you sit here and you want to be just, you want to be supportive and you want to jump in and you want to be, be a part of it and you want to enjoy it. But you're like, when, how, why, you know, so it's just, we're all patiently holding our breath but we're starting to turn blue in the face and we're wondering, you know, when it's all going to finally come to fruition. And that's, that probably is the most difficult thing because, you know, they're throwing little scraps out there. They're, you know, we're seeing videos, you know, it's kind of like the teaser before you go to commercial break when we come back. <laughs> yeah. And we're all like, this has been a long commercial. When are we coming back? Let's, let's get to this. Well, I will say this, what what I have seen in Memorial, what they've done there, and it's not been huge, but the ribbon boards and stuff, what they've done so far has been nice. The locker room, from what you can see on social media, looks nice. I'll give them credit when they do something uh, that they've done so far, that this stuff looks like it's quality. I, I think, and this is the place where it's coming from, I think most people understand this. And we're not here just to hit on Vanderbilt constantly and just hammer them for stuff. But the thing you and I know from having been around those programs so long is that somebody on the outside doesn't sit and hold them accountable, stuff can fall into the abyss pretty quickly. I remember I got a call from a buddy of mine in Birmingham um, who was talking with Derek Mason before media days in 2019, and Mason was all excited. They were going to get a new stadium. He'd just been promised that. And here we are 
and nothing's been done on that. I, I think that's our that's our why people are wondering. You want to see people get what they've worked for and what they've deserved. And I feel like if there's not somebody out there like us doing this, you can't trust that it's going to get there on its own, it feels like. And I think that is the, the definitive statement that a majority of the former Vanderbilt student-athletes feel. And that's, that's the hard part about what Candace and Tommy McClellan and the athletic department is doing is having to chip away at that scar tissue that's developed over all these years for all these former athletes because of all these promises and not, not necessarily from this regime, but just past athletic directors, coaches. Um, but at the end of the day, those that have been part of Vanderbilt over the years. And, you know, anybody that's had any type of injury, they know how, how difficult, how painful it can be to break up that scar tissue to get yourself to a point where that joint, that knee, that elbow, that wrist becomes flexible again. So you can go back to using it the way it was meant to be used. And I think that's a good comparison to, you know, what it is that Candace and this athletic department are up against, how difficult it's going to be. And, you know, how, even when they think they're making a step forward, others may think they've actually taken a step back, but it's just, you know, they've got to keep pushing. They've got to keep trying. But at the, at the same time, I think they need to be a little more transparent. They need, as you pointed out, they need to be a little more honest. And, you know, they'll continue to ask us as former student athletes and fans to be a little more forgiving. But in order for us to do that, you know, you got to give us more. You got to show us more. You can't just ask us to trust you that things are going to be right and expect us to believe you 100%. And that's yeah. unfortunate for them. It's unfortunate for us. But I will say this. We're all anxiously awaiting the future. It's just that how quickly will the future get here? Yeah, and, and that's why I've had an issue as a media guy. And I, th- I think it's gotten a little better for me recently. Uh, in fact, I think baseball season is going to be the smoothest season I've covered in a while. But th- that's the issue that I've had with the school is it when you – when you get things that are said to you at times where you know that they're not telling the truth and they know that you know they're not telling the truth, um, and yet you're supposed to sort of posit their side of the story as something that's believable at times, that's really hard to know how to play. And, and I think that's where it's gotten difficult for me in the school at times is just that, that trust that, that everybody's had the issue with. I was talking to... Um, an acquaintance of mine this weekend and, and a podcast listener, by the way, and, and if you're listening, you know who you are. Uh, and also had this same conversation with the, somebody on campus last week. Um, and it was just about that honesty thing. And, and the response from both people was, hey, that's the way it is at campus. 
that's a university issue. It's not just an athletic department issue. And I think that that's where the school has got to go to rebuild back a lot of this trust. Because at this point, really, it is trust, right? I think if, if everybody knows that, you know, for instance, if, if things had gone through a couple years ago with Turner and he was give, given, you know, free reign uh, to have charge over the athletic department, uh, at least until he wasn't, you know, we're not having this conversation because things are being built. Maybe some things are completed. You know, people were led to believe that construction would start on stuff as soon as the season was over. That hasn't happened. Well, that, that's a long-winded way. I've got to go to another radio appearance right now, but I'm going to give you just maybe 30 seconds to finish up. Well, I think that and the other thing that you just kind of alluded to is I played for a master and CM Newton that had a wonderful relationship with the media. And I think that somehow, some way the university and Vanderbilt athletics has to realize that the media is not the enemy. Unfortunately, they're making the media the enemy. They're not developing those relationships that they need to develop with the media because the media can actually help you if you play your cards right. And I think unfortunately they see the, the media as the enemy and that's caused a lot of problems that are totally unnecessary but they've done that on their own volition and they need to kind of change their approach and somehow develop those relationships with the media as well so that maybe they they really do go back to square one and start all over will thanks for doing this be good and we will do another round of this very soon you got it chris thank you Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.